Today is the 21st of August 2019. Welcome to Walking the Way. My name is Ray. I'm sorry if you were expecting a podcast yesterday, but unfortunately we had... I spent most of yesterday morning from about four o'clock in the morning in an emergency vet with one of the dogs. Um, so apologies for yesterday. But I want to say thank you for listening in as we continue to explore what it means to have a regular rhythm of worship together. And if you're joining us for the first time, let me explain that each episode follows a really simple pattern of prayer, scripture, and music. So having explained how it all works, let's start today's leg of walking the way with our opening prayer. Let's pray, shall we? Loving God, the joy of this day, the hope of every day to come, move in our midst, fill us with your Spirit today, Lord, and make us one. May our words, as well as our actions, and even the secret thoughts of our hearts, be part of your worship during this time, Lord. Your great power is displayed in sacrificial love. And for that we pray, focused upon the one who died for all, your only Son. Amen. We're going to have our first piece of music just to give us some time to center our thoughts on God. And then we're going to get into our Bible readings for today. And in today's Bible readings, we read about Elisha and Naaman. And Jesus predicts his death again, amongst other things. We'll see you on the other side. Let's ask God to speak to us through the scriptures this morning. Father, we ask that you would prepare our hearts as we read the scripture this morning. Open our hearts and minds to the mysteries and truths that are hidden within its pages, 
and help us to come to an understanding of what is hidden from us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our Bible readings this week are taken from the New International Version, and we're beginning with 2 Kings 4. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in this house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few, then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind him and his sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he said, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Now, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. One day, Elijah went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man, who often comes our way, is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof, and put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elijah came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, Call the Shumanite. So he called her and she stood before him. Elijah said to him, Tell her, You have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her? Elisha asked. Gehazi said, She has no son, and her husband is old. Then Elijah said, Call her. So he called her, and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, You will hold a son in your arms. No, my lord, she objected. Please, man of God, do not mislead your servant. But the woman became pregnant, and the next year about that time she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. The child grew, and one day he went out to his father, who was with the reapers. He said to his father, My head, my head. His father told the servant, Carry him to his mother. And after the servant had lifted him up and carried to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. She called her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and a donkey, so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Why go to him today, he asked. Is not the new moon or the Sabbath? That's all right, he said. She saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Lead on. Don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, Look, there's the Shumanite. Run to her and meet her. Are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Everything is all right, she said. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came to push her away, but the man of God said, 
Leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Did I ask you for a son, my Lord, she said? Didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes? Elisha said to Gehazi, Tuck your cloak into your belt. Take my staff in your hand and run. Don't greet anyone you meet, and if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the child's mother said, As surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him, The boy has not awakened. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on the couch. He went in, shut the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. As he stretched himself out on him, the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room and then got on the bed and stretched on him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite, and he did. When she came, he said, Take your son. She came in, fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. Then he took her son and went out. Elisha returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in that region. When the company of the prophets were meeting with him, he said to a servant, Put on the large pot and cook some stew for these prophets. One of them went out into the fields to gather herbs and found a wild vine and picked as many of its gourds as his garment could hold. When he returned, he cut them up into the pot of stew, though no one knew what they actually were. The stew was poured out for the men, but as they began to eat it, they cried out, Man of God, there is death in this pot, and they could not eat it. Elisha said, Get some flour. He put it into the pot and said, Serve it to the people to eat, and there was nothing harmful in the pot. A man came from Baal Shalishah, bringing the man of God twenty loaves of barley bread baked for the first ripe grain, along with some heads of new grain. Give it to the people to eat, Elisha said. How can I set this before a hundred men, his servant asked. But Elisha answered, Give it to the people to eat, for this is what the Lord says, they will eat and have some left over. Then he set it before them and they ate, and had some left over according to the word of the Lord. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because, through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. He said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master, and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. 
When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots, and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a message to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hands over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Parpha, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored, and he became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all the attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry. For your servant will never again make burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other god but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimmon to bow down, and he is leaning on my arm, and I have to bow there also. When I bow in the temple of Rimmon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. Go in peace, Elisha said. After Naaman had travelled some distance, Gehazi, the servant of Elijah the man of God, said to himself, My master was too easy on Naaman, this Aramean, by not accepting him from him what he bought. As surely as the Lord lives, I will run after them and get something from him. So Gehazi hurried after Naaman. When Naaman saw him running towards him, he got down from his chariot to meet him. Is everything all right, he said. Everything is all right, Gehazi said. My master sent me to say, Two young men from the company of the prophets have just come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two sets of clothing. By all means, take two talents, said Naaman. He urged Gehazi to accept them, and then tied up the two talents of silver in two bags with two sets of clothing. He gave them to two of his servants, and they carried them ahead of Gehazi. When Gehazi came to the hill, he took the things from the servants and put them away in the house. He sent the men away, and they left. When he went and stood before his master, Elisha said to him, Where have you been, Gehazi? Your servant didn't go anywhere, Gehazi answered. But Elisha said to him, Was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to take money or to accept clothes, or olive groves, or vineyards, or flocks, or herds, or male and female slaves? Nathan's leprosy will cling to you, and to your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence, and his skin was leprous. It had become white as snow. The company of prophets said to Elisha, Look, this place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, where each of us can get a pole, and let us build a place there for us to meet. And he said, Go. Then one of them said, 
Won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied, and he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh no, my lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. The man of God asked, Where did it fall? When he showed them the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there, and it made the iron float. Lift it out, he said, and then the man reached out his hand and took it. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware of passing that place, because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard at such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go. Find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? the servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, This is not the road, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. He led them to Samaria. As they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they looked, and there they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, Shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those who have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food or water before them so that they may eat and drink, and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them, and after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away. And they returned to their master. So the bands from Aaron stopped raiding Israel's territory. Sometime later, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, mobilized his entire army and marched up and laid seed to Samaria. There was a great famine in the land. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for more than 80 shekels of silver and a quarter of cab of seed pods for five shekels. As the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried to him, Help me, my lord the king. The lord replied, If the lord does not help you, where can I get help for you? From the threshing floor? From the wine press? Then he asked her, What's the matter? She answered, This woman said to me, Give up my son so we may eat him today, and tomorrow we'll eat my son. So we cooked my son and ate him. The next day I said to her, Give up your son so we may eat him, but she had hidden him. When the king heard the woman's words, he tore his robes. 
As he went along the wall, the people looked, and they saw that under his robes he had sackcloth on his body. He said, May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if the head of Elisha son of Shaphat remains on his shoulders today. Now Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him. The king sent a messenger ahead, but before he arrived, Elisha said to the elders, Don't you see how this murderer is sending someone to cut off my head? Look, the messenger comes. Shut the door and hold it shut against him. Is not the sound of his master's footsteps behind him? While he was still talking to them, the messenger came down to him. The king said, This disaster is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Elisha replied, Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a sayer of the finest flour will sell for a shekel, and two sayers of barley for a shekel at the gate in Samaria. The officer, on whose arm the king was leaning, said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heaven, could this happen? You will see it with your own eyes, answered Elisha, but you will not eat any of it. Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, Why stay here until we die? If we say we go into the city, the famine is there and there we will die. If we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. At dusk they got up and went up to the camp of the Arameans. As they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there, for the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. And they left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents and ate and drank. They took silver, gold and clothes and went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some things from there and hid them as well. Then they said to each other, What we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. So let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So they went and called out to the city gatekeepers who told them, We went into the Aramean camp and no one was there. Not a sound of anyone, only tethered horses and donkeys. And the tents left just as they were. The gatekeeper shouted the news and it was reported within the palace. The king got up in the night and said to his officers, I will tell you what the Arameans have done to us. They know we are starving, so that we have left the camp to hide in the countryside, thinking, They will surely come out, and then we will take them alive and get into the city. One of the officers answered, Have some men, take five of the horses that are left in the city. Their plight will be like that of all Israel's left here. Yes, they will only be like all these Israelites who are doomed. So let us send them to find out what has happened. They selected two chariots with their horses, and the king sent them after the Aramanian army. He commanded the drivers, Go and find out what has happened. They followed them as far as the Jordan, and they found the whole road strewn with the clothing and equipment the Aramaeans had thrown away in their headlong flight. So the messengers returned and reported to the king. Then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Aramaeans. So a sayer of finest flour sold for a shekel, and two sayers of barley sold for a shekel, just as the Lord had said. 
Now the king had put the officer on whose arm he lent in charge of the gate, and the people trampled him in the gateway, and he died, just as the man of God had told when the king came down to his house. It happened as the man of God had said to the king, about this time tomorrow, a sayer of finest flour will sell for a shekel, and two sayers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer had said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of this heaven, could this open? The man of God had replied, You will see it with your own eyes, but you will not eat any of it. And that is exactly what happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gateway and he died. Now Elisha had said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, Go away with your family and stay for a while wherever you can, because the Lord has decreed a famine in the land that will last seven years. The woman proceeded to do so, as the man of God said. She and her husband went away and stayed in the land of the Philistines seven years. At the end of the seven years she came back from the land of the Philistines, and went to appeal to the king for her house and land. The king was talking to Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, and said, Tell me all about the great things Elisha has done. Just as Gehazi was telling the king about how Elisha had restored the dead to life, the woman whose son Elisha had brought back to life came to appeal to the king for her house and land. Gehazi said, This is the woman, my lord the king, and this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. The king asked the woman about it, and she told him. Then he assigned an officer to her case and said, Give back everything that belonged to her including all the income from her land from the day she left the country until now. Elisha went to Damascus, and Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, was ill. When the king was told, The man of God has come all the way up here, he said to Ahaziel, Take a gift with you, and go to meet the man of God. Consult the Lord through him, asking him, Will I recover from this illness? Haziel went to meet Elisha, taking with him as a gift forty camel loads of all the finest wares of Damascus. He went in and stood before him and said, Your son Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, has sent me to ask, Will I recover from this illness? Elisha replied, Go and say to him, You will certainly recover. Nevertheless, the Lord has revealed to me that he will in fact die. He stared at him with a fixed gaze until Hazrael was embarrassed. Then the man of God began to weep. Why is my Lord weeping? asked Haziel. Because I know the harm you will do to the Israelites, he answered. You will set fire to their fortified places, kill their young men with the sword, dash their little children to the ground and rip open their pregnant women. Haziel said, How could your servant, a mere dog, accomplish such a feat? The Lord has shown me that you will become king of Aram, answered Elisha. Then Haziel left Elisha and returned to his master. When Ben-Hadad asked, What did Elisha say to you? Haziel replied, He told me that you would certainly recover. But the next day he took a thick cloth, soaked it in water and spread it over the king's face so that he died. Then Haziel succeeded him as king. In the fifth year of Joram, son of Ahab, king of Israel, when Jehoshaphat was king of Judah, Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat, began his reign as king of Judah. He was thirty-two years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. He followed the ways of the kings of Israel, as the house of Ahab had done, for he married a daughter of Ahab. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Nevertheless, for the sake of his servant David, 
the Lord was not willing to destroy Judah. He had promised to maintain a lamp for David and his descendants forever. At the time of Jehoram, Edom rebelled against Judah and set up its own king. So Jehoram went to Zer with all his chariots. The Edomites surrounded him and his chariot commanders, but he rose up and broke through by night. His army, however, fled back home. To this day, Edom has been in rebellion against Judah. Libna revolted at the same time. As for the other events of Jehoram's reign, and all he did, are they not written in the book of the annals of the king of Judah? Jehoram rested with his ancestors, and was buried with them in the city of David. And Ahaziah, his son, succeeded him as king. In the twelfth year of Jehoram, son of Ahab, king of Israel, Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaziah was twenty-two years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem one year. His mother's name was Athaliah, the granddaughter of Omri, king of Israel. He followed the ways of the house of Ahab and did evil in the eyes of the Lord, as the house of Ahab had done, for he was related by marriage to Ahab's family. Ahaziah went with Joram, son of Ahab, to war against Hazrael, king of Aram at Ramoth-Gilead. The Aramans wounded Joram. So King Joram returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds the Aramans had afflicted him at Ramoth, in his battle with Hazrael, king of Aram. Then Ahaziah, son of Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to Jezreel to see Joram, son of Ahab, because he had been wounded. Matthew 17 After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up the high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down on the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, Why then did the teachers of the law say Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elisha has already come and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him, Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, 
because you have so little faith. Truly I say to you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and said, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon, he asked. From who do the kings of the earth collect taxes and duty? From their own children or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to them. But so that we may not cause offence, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Psalm 9 For the directive music to the tune of the death of the sun, a psalm of David. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. My enemies turn back. They stumble and perish before you. For you have upheld my right and my cause, sitting enthroned as the righteous judge. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name for ever and ever. Endless ruin has overtaken my enemies. You have uprooted their cities. Even the memory of them has perished. The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges the people with equity. The Lord is a refuge of the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Sing the praises of the Lord enthroned in Zion. Proclaim among the nations what he has done. For he who avenges blood remembers. He does not ignore the cries of the afflicted. Lord, see how my enemies persecute me. Have mercy and lift me from the gates of death, that I may declare your praises in the gates of daughter Zion, and there rejoice in your salvation. The nations have fallen into the pit they have dug. Their feet are caught in the net they have hidden. The Lord is known by his acts of justice. The wicked are ensnared by the work of their hands. The wicked go down to the realm of the dead. All the nations that forget God. But God will never forget the needy. The hope of the afflicted will never perish. Arise, Lord. Do not let mortals triumph. Let the nations be judged in your presence. Strike them with terror, Lord. Let the nations know they are only mortal. We're going to have our second piece of music just to give us some time to think about the bits of scripture that have caught our attention. And after the music, we'll say our prayers for the day and the time of the year.
Just a reminder before we say our prayers for the day and the time of the year that if you'd like us to pray for you, then drop us a line through the usual channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or email. Check the show notes for all the contact details. There are links there, and if you click the link, it'll take you to where you need to go. But let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, each day you call each one of us to follow you, to be your disciples and to make disciples. Enable us today to live out that discipleship as we seek to transform the lives of those whom we meet and the communities to which we belong. You inspire us to be agents of change and to seize the moment to proclaim your love and to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You challenge us to live every day for you. So, Lord, may we be open to new ways and strengthened through your power. Amen. And our prayer for the time of the year. Help us, with simple words, Lord, to explain the warmth within our hearts that we experienced in that first encounter with your love and grace. The Spirit's flame still burning bright within that others on their own journeys of discovery might reach out and touch the hand that's always been there and be embraced by your love. Amen. We say together the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. In the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us and remain with us now and forevermore. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.